Okay, and we're live on The Niche Agent. So today we've got a great guest. It's Jackie Pennington from Coburg, Ontario. So Jackie, why don't you take a quick second and tell us a bit about yourself and why you're here. Absolutely. Uh, so as you've already said, my name's Jacqueline and I'm from the Coburg Market area. Uh, I am a broker with Remax and I've been selling in the area for a little over six years now. Um, I am considered a millennial. I just turned 30 and I have a four-month-old uh, son. Okay, so we brought you on because you do work with a lot of millennials. So can you explain millennials to people if they may not know who, what they are or what, what that means? Absolutely. Uh, so millennials considered essentially it's the same way of explaining something like a boomer. Millennials were born between in about 1980s to 2000. There's different definitions for them, but they're basically representative kind of at the moment, you know, our younger population um, up till they reach in and around kind of early 30s or so. Um, so they're the, the new generation of consumers. Um, they're a larger generation than that was the, the boomers. So they're looked at as about an 80, 87 million uh, population in size. So yeah, it's obviously a different market than the, the baby boomer market because typically, obviously, they're the kids of the baby boomers, most likely. Yeah, yeah, they're the kids of the baby baby boomers and completely different in terms of expectations and, and what drives them to buy. So what, obviously, other than being in the same age bracket, is what drove you to working with the, the millennials then? Um, a few things. I actually, I work in a fairly retiree-dominated market, so I still do work with other populations quite a bit. But um, with the millennials, it's, just, it's where real estate is going. Um, the baby boomers, obviously, are kind of getting towards the end of their, they're going to be buying maybe one or two more purchases before they kind of settle down in their final home. And really, when you look at it, if you start by working with the first-time buyers, which is where the majority of millennials are kind of falling at this point in time, when working with a population like that, you can expect to have quite a few transactions that you'll be working with them over the years, as opposed to if you're investing your time and money into, say, working with seniors. There's a lot of benefits to that, but at the same point in time, realistically, you probably only have one or two transactions that you'll be dealing with those people at that point in time. So for me, it had a lot to do with just where the market was going. Uh, I saw a population that really wasn't being serviced um, quite a bit. Um, everybody seems to be very focused on the senior market uh, in my area. So I thought this is a great opportunity. I can certainly identify with what their needs are. Uh, so I started to really gear my marketing and my business towards um, working with the millennial population. Yeah, that's a good point because I know for you, you're in the Coburg Port Hope area and a lot of that community is based on people moving out from the city outside of Toronto, going out to retire. So for you, it's obviously a smaller market than, say, someone living in the city because there may be people who are just, that's the market in Toronto and that's what they go after because that's basically all there is. But for you, obviously, you're getting more of those retirement. So it's a smaller market, but a better market for you, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. It's a market that's really not being served in my area. As I said, most agents are really focusing on getting that Toronto consumer that's coming out here to retire as opposed to really looking at the people that are kind of living in our communities or we still do get a lot of um, younger people coming in from the city and then commuting in for work. Okay. So then what would you say is a different in, for, as far as needs go from a millennial versus any other type of buyer then? In general, in terms of how, how their needs are in terms of what they expect is very different. I would say the main difference of a millennial is that millennials really have different expectations. They don't want to be sold to. They want an overall real estate experience. And I think in terms of being a real estate agent, we really have to change the way in which we do our business. Um, I've never been an agent that I consider to be a salesperson. That's just never been my style. Um, and that's why I think I've always really identified well with the millennial uh, population. 
for. They're looking for someone to provide them with the guidance, the expertise, um, be as, essentially their real estate advisor. And then at the same point in time, be in constant contact with them, um, be there whenever they need you. You always have to be kind of a text away for the millennials. Um, and there's really somebody to kind of hold their hand and make an experience out of the home buying and home selling process. They really, any millennial, and, and a lot of people, I think, in general, this this is starting to, to happen to with consumers. If they steal at any point in time that they're trying to be sold, um, they become very suspicious and just really don't want want any interaction. Have you always learned to work with that way, or have you had to adapt your sales process or your, your customer service process along the way, or is it just something that kind of came naturally to you? Um, I would say that's just how I am more naturally. Um, before I got into real estate, I worked in human rights. So I never really had a sales background. So I've never really been that kind of salesperson. Um, it's probably been, to be honest, one of my most, um, my biggest weaknesses in the business. So I really just took that weakness and then turned it into a strength that I do. Um, I am vocal about the fact that I'm not a salesperson. I'm a real estate advisor. Um, and then that certainly just really attracted um, that type of population in terms of what they're looking for. Yeah. I know with the millennial population, it's they're becoming more educated up front and they're doing the sales for themselves. They're looking and they're doing the research. I always use the example of, if someone's going to buy a computer, most likely they're going to go online, they're going to go on Future Shop, Best Buy, shop around, and then they basically walk into the store and say, here's what I want, and find the best price or find the person they want to work with. I was just going to say, a perfect example of that is that I actually was in the process of buying a car very recently. Right. And it was very interesting to go to, um, I went kind of selected what I wanted. I went to three different dealerships. I narrowed it down to three different cars with people's sales techniques with me were really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, one car dealership I went into and they started right away without even really asking me what I wanted or what I was looking for, just started to sell me a very specific car that they had kind of pigeonholed me, oh, this is what kind of car this person's going to want mm-hmm. and kept trying to sell me that car, whereas I knew exactly what I was coming on the dealership to look at that day. Whereas interestingly enough, the, the car we ended up buying and, and the person we ended up buying for, when we walked in, she said right away, you know, I'm going to assume that you've already been online and would it be correct to say that you probably already know exactly what you want, you know, all the features that you want in the car, you know, what model you want, you know, pretty much everything there is to know about it. And it was true. We did. We knew every single thing about the vehicle, probably more so about than, than the actual salesperson, which is something that's very different with, um, I think, our generation and how things are changing in terms of how we make our purchases. Mm-hmm. I've even done the research to find out um, what people were typically paying for that vehicle um, through a... Um, website called, I think it was called Hagling or something to that extent. Um, so it's a very different process. So that salesperson seemed to me to be someone who really got the new population. Um, she never tried to sell us something at any point in time. She just tried to make that purchase as seamless as possible and make it as easy on us as opposed to try to you know, sell us to an upgraded model or a different kind of vehicle that she thought we would want. She was just there to really, how do I make you purchasing this car as easy as possible and enjoyable to experience for you? And that, I think, was a great example of what, as people in real estate, we need to be looking at in terms of when we're dealing with this millennial population that I'm a part of. Yeah. And if you do it right, you do the sales for them. Because I know I saw your Facebook post about you buying the vehicle, and you gave her a great reference. You talked about all the experience, and you shared it with your friends and family, and you did the selling for her. So she just provided you the good service and provided you with what you needed, and you're out there pushing her. So. Absolutely. And as you probably noticed from that post, somebody already contacted me wanting to look at that vehicle. Yeah. So exactly. (laughs) So then obviously for for marketing and reaching out to people, 
it's a different approach. Typically in newspapers, things like that, that traditionally may have worked in the past are not going to work with the millennials buying and selling now. So what strategies or technologies are you finding works to attract and uh, market to millennials? Well, I think we, we just summed it up as well that um, Facebook and social media, I think, is really where it's at for the millennial population. They're not looking at newspapers. I know I get a whole pile of them in my driveway and they just end up in the recycling bin. Um, that's certainly, I think, in terms of an advertising uh, for real estate purposes, not where you're wanting to go with that population. Um, so I've always been at the belief it's very much on social media. But with that, it's how you market on social media. Um, I think, you know, um, isn't really enough for them. Again, that's kind of they don't really want to be sold to. Mm-hmm. It's more of having an interactive experience with them, getting to know them, them getting to know you, um, and being authentic throughout social media. So the one thing that I know I would advise to any realtors that are looking to set up something on on social media that are new to it, you know, have your have a social media page that's you. You know, mm-hmm. mine's Jacqueline Pennington. Um, anyone can add me as a friend, and I only have one Facebook account, and it's me, and you get to see. You know, my family, you get to see my real estate business, my community involvement, all about me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the mistake a lot of people make is that they'll set up something like Jacqueline Pennington Real Estate and Jacqueline Pennington, my actual page. And people don't want to really, you know, this is my real estate side of me. They will actually want to know who you are yeah. and they're going to, to use your services based on, you know, who you are and uh, whether or not they feel that they connect with you. That's a good point. And I, I find too a shift is a lot of agents who have used, they've, they've jumped on social media thinking they need to be on there and they use the traditional push marketing. They get on there and they take what worked with newspaper, what worked with billboards and park benches and that kind of stuff. And they moved it to the Facebook and Twitter and that there's a disconnect there and people can really see that and it almost, they can smell it and they don't want to work with those people because it actually makes it worse because they go, these people don't get these platforms. They don't get what social media is about and it actually hurts them more than if they properly just used the social media in the way they should. 100% agree with that. I've seen a lot of shift of people moving, not just using social media, but using it to connect with people offline as well. Because I know when when the social media boom was really hitting, people were doing everything online. And I've kind of seen a shift of they're using stuff online, but it's still to get to that belly to belly to make those connections with people and and really get in front of people. And are you using any strategies that to, to do that, to move from just offline to moving, sorry, from moving online to offline? You could have a great social media presence. You can have the best website possible. But at the end of the day, you actually have to at some point get in front of the client, meet them, and they have to like what they see in front of them. Um, for me, I'm fortunate enough that I'm actually from a fairly small community. There's a population in Coburg of about 18,000. Um, so for me, kind of moving those relationships offline is a little bit easier than I would say some people probably face in a larger city market mm-hmm. because I run into people all the time. Um, I'm in line at the grocery store and somebody will say, oh, you're the real estate girl on Facebook. Um, so it, it's a little bit easier in that sense, but it's just for me something that somewhat naturally happens. Um, often I'll add some. Um, meet them at a community event or I'll meet them at a community event and then I continue that relationship on Facebook. And I think that's why, you know, it's not a one trick pony. Facebook or social media isn't what's going to make you successful in real estate. It's going to make what's going to make you successful is your actual connections with, with as you said, the belly to belly contact. Um, so I think for the most part, what it's really done well is that it's, you know, by adding a client or a client adding you, it continues that relationship. So they've met you in person, they liked what they saw, and now they get to know you a little bit better. Um, and then that's when you kind of, you know, your name gets dropped on social sites if they hear of someone that's looking at 
entire cell and you just get to continue that relationship on in more of an authentic way. Yeah. Now, so what, I mean, other than the social media stuff, what kind of type of things are you doing to stay in contact with them? You said text their text away and things like that. So what are you actually putting in place to make sure that that communication is happening? Um, well, I do in terms of actually when I, in terms of communicating of them determining how they want to communicate with me. If someone starts calling me, that's how I'll usually continue the communication. If someone's texting me, I'll continue it in that way. Um, because everybody is different, I don't think, you know, we call millennials in terms of a general population, but, you know, no two people are the same. So I think it's important to really feel each individual out and see how they're going to want to communicate with you and then just embracing whatever method they're using. Um, but in addition to that, I actually still do newsletters. Um, so I send newsletters out to clients on a regular basis, actual paper in the mail newsletters. And the reason I do that is I think when it comes to something like email, aside from the fact there are a lot of new rules in terms of how we're communicating with people, um, it often gets lost. You know, we're getting so many emails and so much spam um, that the email actual sending out a newsletter to client I find probably is just going to get deleted and not even paid attention to. Whereas because we're no longer really receiving much in the mail. I think I only ever receive probably, I don't even really receive bills in the mail anymore. So it's very rare I actually get a piece of mail um, that when you do, you actually take notice to it and you say, okay, well, this is something different. Um, so in terms of staying in touch with clients, I actually do a lot of newsletters. I'll send them things in the mail, um, like free home show tickets, things of that nature. Um, I still do postcards. Um, so I still do uh, traditional farming. And again, everything on my um print side so the postcards link to all my social media sites as well so as i said before it's not a one mechanism of communication it's really essentially a, a broader um, scope in terms of how you're communicating with people making sure that the, every every system you're using um, to make contact with someone or continue contact just links back to to um, websites and social and yeah and it, it's great because a lot of people think that being with the technology age, everything has to be te super technology. Uh, and I just had Ian Watt on the show, and he he's moved his entire business offline or online. He doesn't do any paper advertising, anything like that. But one of his strategies is he hires a, a woman, a retired woman, to send out postcard or um, handwritten cards to expireds, and he says he pays her three dollars a card, and she takes care of that, and it's basically on autopilot. But that alone, he says, gets him almost fifty thousand dollars a year in business. So it is that personal touch still makes a difference. So it's it's a Facebook like or comment is is good, but it's not as good as that personal touch at times. Mm -hmm. So as far as technology that they're using or the, the consumers, are you using things in line with them, or do you see a shift in them using more technology or less technology, or relying on you for things? Well, in terms of the actual real estate transaction, I use, like a lot of people, iPads quite a bit. Um, so for showing suppliers, I'll often take an iPad and let them take the iPad around and keep their notes on it. Um, Dropbox and Evernote. Um, texting is kind of the big one. It's a very simple form of technology, mm -hmm. but uh, that tends to be the way that they want to talk to you. Um, with this particular population, they want to be in kind of constant contact. Every question we could possibly have in life is just Google away. Um, so them having can contact me at any given time and trust me that they do. Um, but I think the big thing with them is that technology isn't necessarily a big advantage to them. They don't see you walking with an iPad like some pop 
organizations and we think, oh, wow, they're so um, on, on the cutting edge of things and they're so innovative. It's just an expectation. Yeah. Um, so it's more so the case that if you're not using technology, you're not even going to make their short list, you know, in terms of if they're interviewing agents or anything to that extent, because they expect you to walk in the door with your listing presentation on an iPad. And if you don't have them, it's not that you're you know, uh, not an agent who's exceeding your expectations. You're not even meeting their basic expectations. So then what do you think would need, you'd need to do to really take it to the next level and really exceed their expectations then? I think for me, what, what I do, it's just, again, it's, it's less to do with the actual technology I use and how I use it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's using those tools to overall really give them a good real estate experience. So it's not just about, here's your iPad, you know, go look at some houses. Um, it's, you know, allowing them to take notes on the iPad and then I can email everything back to them so they have an electronic copy of everything that they've gone through. Um, I know if from, and I, I use most of what I do is really from my own experience. If that I'm going and looking at houses and you're giving me a bunch of paper copy of things, those are going to probably make it into my car and then probably on the floor of the car and eventually into a recycling bin. Whereas if you're with a client in a showing and you're doing everything on an iPad and you email to them everything electronically, they're going to have that, you know, through Evernote uh, or, your, or their Dropbox file that you've created for them to kind of go back and reference through. So again, it's less to do with actually the technology you're using and how you're using it to really exceed their expectations and give them an overall amazing experience in the transaction. Uh, yeah, they're yeah they're using it. They're using it on a daily basis. And it's, it's part of their life, so it's not just like a, a bonus thing. Those tools and resources is they're using it for work, they're using it for home use, for family use. So if you're not doing that and you're not tying into that lifestyle, it, you're not going to be helping them or getting ahead. Absolutely. So then, for you, obviously you'd mentioned being that resource for them is important and sharing that information and being that contact person and answering their, being able to answer the questions. What what are you doing to make sure that you are there and you're the first person they think of to answer those questions? Um, well, for me, a lot of it actually, um, I have two kind of things I do with social media. So I have my basic real estate Facebook page um, as well as my general one, but I also have a community blog called Life in Northumberland. Um, so I do YouTube videos and blogs, and I actually have a Facebook page with it um, all about life in Northumberland. So, and, and basically why I started to do this is that I found a lot of people coming to the area in general, and millennials are included in this, um, didn't know what services were offered in, in the area. So people are constantly contacting me, and I know every single real estate agent faces this of, you know, where can I go to get my hair done or my nails done, or where's a good place to eat on a Saturday night. So I started this, um, this blog to really just be that connection to the community, to say this is what's available, and these are some of the hidden gems of what makes life in Northumberland just a wonderful place to live and just a really great community. Um, so it's often through that as well that I know a lot of clients have come to me and approached me about really liking the blog. Um, I actually feature a lot of my clients. Um, so I'm very involved in terms of with the young professional network and the local chambers in my community. Um, so on a lot of my blogs are those people that I know and those personal connections. Agent It's being their connection to the community. Um, as well as if they are an individual who runs a business, being a huge supporter of what they're doing as well. Yeah, and they're going to be connected with the same channels, and you can get in front of their their uh, outlets and, and be seen, and vice versa, because they want to be seen in front of yours. And I think that's a huge part of it. Just like this show, I can now focus and or sorry, uh, showcase agents in front of their markets, and they can see it in front of my my connections, and it just helps grow everyone's network. 
I, I've said many times too. It, Absolutely. I've said is that people aren't online looking for an agent. They're looking for information. And if you can provide that information to them, then they'll look to you as an agent. And like you said, is you're doing the you're doing the, the community things. You're answering questions. You've got your Facebook groups and things like that. And when you're providing the information, they're going to be in front of you, or you're going to be in front of them more likely. You're going to answer their questions quicker and they're going to find you and then build that trust and want to work with you before they've even met you. And that's a totally different, totally different than that we used to be where you just have to get them into the office and then try to build that trust right off the bat. You can already do that ahead of time before they've even had a, spoken a word with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're no longer um, in real estate in general. I think it's something that our industry has to really start, and this isn't specifically just to necessarily millennials, but we're no longer really the gatekeepers of the information. The information is available online. They can get it. Mm-hmm. And I know there was a big push in recent years, um, you know, that you log on to someone's website. In order to get the information on their website, you have to, you know, fill out your name and your number and everything to that extent. And in terms of, um, I, know, I think, the millennial population, I know from my own interest, I'm not going to do that because if you don't give me the information, I'm going to shut your website down go to the next person's website and they're going to give it to me. So I think this whole idea and this notion that we've kind of had in our industry of, you know, hoarding all the information and keeping it to ourselves and saying, you have to come to me to get it. I've got the, you know, I've got the gold pot of information mm-hmm. back here is something we really need to start to accept that we need to, to walk away from because it's available. And if we don't give it to them, somebody else is going to. Yeah. And, you know, through blogging and websites and social and all those things, People are going to read what you're posting, and based on that, they're going to say, okay, I like what they say. I like their knowledge, or I like their personality, and I trust this person, and they're going to start to really know about you, and then that's what's going to make them connect with you. You know, it's not about putting um, log in here and, and, and to get this kind of thing. So I think that's one thing that in real estate I would like to to see people kind of start to get more towards, that, you know, we can't hoard the information embrace giving it to people and, and that's going to be what gets people into to our offices as you said and meeting with us yeah. uh, to me i see it actually like you said it's, it's actually a flip is there's so much information is where we're going to be successful is being the curator's information is actually boiling out all the information they don't need and say here's what you would want to here's what you should know about here's the things that are important and give them the important things and if we can take all that information and package it for them and say here's what you need to know when buying your first home. Here's what you need to know when buying a waterfront home. Here's what you need to know when you're buying whatever and curate that and put it in one easy place for them to get to. Instead of having them to go do 20 searches on Google, you can give it to them in one easy step. Then you're going to be seen as that better information source than just a Google search. Absolutely. So then where do you see the future of working with millennials going then? In terms of the future, it's it's really the future of real estate. Um, I know there's tons of statistics out there that I'm lauded in my opinion um, stereotypes about li- millennials that are not really correct, you know, that they're lazy, that they're <laughs> never going to buy a home, that they can't afford home, that home ownership isn't really in, in their sight line in terms of their goals. And, and that couldn't be for, you know, 70% of them intend to buy within the next two to three years. Um, so as the future of this population goes, I think in real estate, we really do need to adapt to meet what their, their new needs are and what their growing needs are going to be. Um, it's an interesting generation um, in terms of the fact that, you know, they're going to start having families soon. The gender roles aren't necessarily very traditional. Um, in general, millennials are very non-traditional people. You'll see a lot of them buying homes before that they get they get married. You'll see a lot of them just not getting married in general. Mm-hmm. 
And I think when it comes to the home buying process, I think we're going to see a lot of people coming up with different creative situations to get into the home buying market. It's no secret that it's unfortunately we're a population of people that has really suffered from the um, coming out of school and having a recession, you know, right there and uh, unemployment was a little bit higher. So I think it's going to be harder in some ways for them to buy. I know I'm seeing, <clears throat> sorry, I'm seeing a lot of situations where friends are buying together. Um, sisters, brothers, or sisters, sisters are buying together. Um, I've seen situations where a parent and a child has bought together. So I think in terms of their real estate future, it's going to be a lot more unique mm-hmm. than I think what we've seen. I don't think we're going to see the traditional uh, man and wife gets married and has you know 1.5 <laughs> children and a white picket fence. I think we're going to see something very unique and diverse coming into the marketplace in terms of what their needs are and what they're buying um, motivation is. Yeah, I was just listening to a book by Seth Godin and uh, We're All Weird and he said the future is not in the masses, the future is in those weird people and the, our society is becoming more weird in that, not weird but just not, the, there isn't that standard normal thing anymore and where you'll do well is when you can cater to those markets and instead of trying to ma- do it to the masses that 1.5 kids, husband, wife, white picket fence it's, it's how do you tailor and get in front of those people who are outside that norm and if you can do that, you'll have the success because we're getting more and more different. Our culture is changing and shifting. And if you can cater to them, your business will grow. Absolutely. So if, well if you could give one piece of parting advice for our listeners on if people are thinking about uh, getting into working with millennials or already working with them and wanting to up their game, is there something you could share with our listeners? For one, if you haven't done so already, embrace social media. Be authentic on social media. But the big thing is, is don't ignore this population. Don't set your sights just on the senior population and the boomers. You know, see what's coming down the path and really start to get on the forefront of meeting the needs of this population uh, and marketing to them and catering to them. Because at the end of the day, if you don't start to change and adapt to what this population is now, you're going to be left in the dust. It's well said, short and sweet and totally true. So thank you for sharing that. So Jacqueline, if you can... Uh, share with people how they can connect with you if they want to check out what you're doing and what you're up to. Can you kind of give what you're doing? Sure, absolutely. Um, so I'm available, of course, online. Uh, Jacqueline Pennington. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is Pennington Remax. But of course, the most simplest way to find anybody these days is just to Google me. Okay. Yeah, we'll put that information in, in the show notes. So, Jacqueline, thanks again for being on the show. We really appreciate it. And we look forward to seeing what you're up to. And, uh, Hopefully the the new generation is going to be profitable for everybody. Sounds great. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks.